You're listening to Vernacular Podcast. Hello and welcome to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. This is season two, episode two, and we're excited to talk later in the podcast to Becca Weingard, who's a mental health counselor. She talks to us about depression, what it's like to live with depression. Because she actually recently wrote a field guide for suicide for survival, she, as she calls it, which is available on Amazon. Yes. And we will point that to you if you go to our website, vernacularpodcast.com. But before we bring Becca on, we have a few other things to talk about. The first thing is, I should have introduced this to everyone as the original Vernacular Podcast. <laughs> you might ask, why do I have to specify that this is the original Vernacular Podcast? Well, it's funny you should ask. So I recently updated my phone to iOS 9. I haven't gotten iOS 9 yet. Right. You're I, apparently among the special few. I consider myself an early adopter. So <laughs> yeah, but basically as soon as I found out that iOS 9 was available, I went on my phone to the settings section, you know, check for a software update, and it was and then it said that I needed to have like 864 megabytes available to do this. And Sally and I are really cheap. So we got the cheapest iPhone with the lowest amount of storage. What is, eight. is it eight gigabytes? I yeah. think so, yeah. So there's not, I mean, compared to some of those like 128 gigabyte phones that are out there, this is not much storage. Especially considering how many pictures we take. Right. Of our beautiful and videos. daughter. Yeah, we're those parents who like always post things <laughs> on social media about just our kid. And anyway... So I needed to clear a ton of space on my phone. So you cleared it. You got it. So I cleared it. Really, that it. actually has nothing to do with the story. I just right. wanted to talk about it. That's why I'm moving now. things along. <laughs> so anyway. He has iOS 9 now. I have a, it's, it's okay. There's a weird font that I don't like. So iOS 9 replaces all of the fonts in iOS 8. And I really liked iOS 8. I thought it was clear, smooth, visually stunning, and beautiful. Mm. And iOS 9 just kind of, it's eh. It's, it's not compelling to me, and the font they use is just not great. Mm. I can't really weigh in on this because I, I don't, don't have it yet. I don't know what Johnny Ive was thinking. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so all of this is a very roundabout way of telling you about how... You landed on the iTunes app. Right. The podcast app, The podcast app, app. So the podcast app is slightly redesigned, so I was exploring iOS 9 and opened my podcast app and was like, well, let me just search for our podcast, Vernacular. So I type in Vernacular... To see how the new search works out, see what the new interface looks like in the podcast app. And yeah, what pops up is the podcast, Vernacular. And there's Vernacular by Zach and Sally, which is the original Vernacular. And then there's Vernacular by Vernacular. And so I clicked on Vernacular and I was like, what is this? And yeah, so... There's a new podcast called Vernacular. A new podcast called Vernacular. Apparently they didn't do their research beforehand to check and see if someone had taken that name already. Or they did... And they were just like, we can do this better. Or they were just realizing that ours is so successful Mm. that they were like, we just have to tap into this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so the new one is run by three people. They try to explore faith, culture, and meaning. So I can get on board with that mission, I guess. I haven't listened to their podcast. They have one episode. I just don't understand why it's called vernacular. Yeah, that's not really clear. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think your your theory might be, it might be like those, so when you're running a race and you try to get in like the wind stream of the people who are the fastest so that they can pull you along, sort of, isn't that a thing? I wouldn't really know. Yeah, you reduce drag. I've run a few races, not that many. No, it's like when geese are flying in formation, they 
they fly in the V because the lead goose beats its wings in such a way that reduces the drag on the so other geese. So we are the head marathon runner or the head goose. We're, yeah, really, this podcast is like the lead goose in a formation. Yeah, which is a V <laughs> for vernacular. Oh, nailed it. Okay. Anyways, so, but that is also a roundabout way of saying thank you to everyone who has reviewed us. Yeah, because I was looking at this on the podcast app and I saw all these generous reviews that people have, have given us. We have 13 reviews and 15 ratings. Guys, you've been listening. We really appreciate this. We don't, we don't Our stop Our goal is now, to get to 1,000 but... by the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but... Th- Keep giving them because they make us so happy. So we want to say thank you to a few people. We want to say thank you to the Great Mouse Detective. Oh, thank yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate this feedback from the Great Mouse Detective. They say, I love this podcast. I wasn't into podcasts before I heard this, but it's so much fun to listen to. And thank you to Mrs. Tiggywinkle. Oh, Mrs. Tiggywinkle had some really good feedback. She says, fun podcast. Keep it up. Thank you, ma'am. We will. Thank you to Sky Stars. And thank you to Timor2012. Here's the thing, Sky Stars, backing up a little bit, he says, I would compare this to Humans of New York. That's a really high high praise there yeah, from Sky Stars. Yeah, an apt comparison. Thank you to Ensiped, and thank you to Another Rainy Day, and Avid Blog Reader, and Jaybird6891. And Kit, and 34Deg. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate this. And to everyone who has rated us as well, we really appreciate it. Everyone is giving us the five-star rating, so thank you so much. But if you think we deserve less than that, you can let us know. That's fine. Yes, we are open to negative reviews as well. Also, always open to hear from you guys. And I would actually prefer to get an email from our listeners rather than just a review. Preferably both, though, actually. But we really <laughs> would love to hear from you. So maybe if, you always, if you've already given us a review but want to chime into the conversation, email us, Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. And we will feature your email in our inbox section. Since we still have yet to receive any emails in this new season, we are going to, in our inbox section, ask you a question instead. And that will be at the end of this segment, right? Or at the end of this podcast. One of the two. One of the, we haven't decided However we yet. feel it. We'll see. Yeah. We'll just kind of go with the flow. Before we talk to Becca, we are just going to chat, continue on with this vein of really nonsensical thoughts, <laughs> but we're going to talk about something a little more sensical. Can we, can we talk about the debate last night? Oh, sure. Yeah. We so it's the 17th when we're recording this right now. We saw the debate last night. The GOP presidential. On CNN. I don't know if presidential is the best word to use to describe what, what transpired last night, but <laughs> the, the field of GOP presidential candidates, candidates took the stage last night. Except for the four who were prior to that, right? This is not a, this is not a discussion about the merits of any of the candidates. I want to talk about the merits of the moderators <laughs> because the first question in the debate was to, I think, uh, Carly Fiorina. And it was, would you feel comfortable with Mr. Trump holding the nuclear codes. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. What kind of a question is that? Yeah. And and it was followed up by another question about Trump, too. It was just constantly about Trump referencing him almost the entire time, it felt like. Yeah. There you were a few questions that were kind of more issue-based, but the majority of the questions were about, oh, this person said this about this person. What do you think? Or you said this about this person. What would you say now? And it's just like, what? Why... 
Why do we care? It sounds like high school or something. Like, oh, I heard about this person saying that. Are you offended? <laughs> uh, Governor Bush, uh, Mr. Trump said this about you. Yeah, what would you I just, say I'd about like to that? give you a chance to respond to that. Yeah, oh my gosh. So, yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. And then the end of the debate. Oh, my gosh. These questions. Well, that wasn't even the end because we went to bed before the end. But nearly the end of the debate. But they decided to do these lighthearted questions. Yeah. I don't know where they came from. Maybe audience members or something. I don't know. One of them was the Secret Service. The Secret Service referred to the president with a call sign. If you could choose your call sign, what would this be? And I was just like, man, half of America is past their bedtime and you're keeping us up with this nonsense. I kind of felt badly for the candidates because I think it would be a little embarrassing to have to think of a call sign because you're trying to be winsome and Sally what would your call sign be I'm gonna put you on the spot this is what I'm saying now I'm what, our what listeners are gonna feel bad for me because I have to think of a call sign at the last minute I think I would go with Bond James Bond mine would be Pepper oh, I like it like Pepper Potts yep I'm gonna change my vote to Iron Man <laughs> and then they also asked the candidates if they could choose a woman to be on the $10 bill, who would they choose? And <laughs> Jeff Bush says Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Oh Some people gosh. said like their wife, I think their mom. It was just a little, it was just a little silly. I, maybe I was just too tired to appreciate it. I thought the whole, the whole framing of the debate by CNN just made it, and the moderators just made it seem a little bit unserious. Like a cage Also, fight can almost. we talk about whoever was responsible for the thermostat in that room? Because before the debate Everyone even started, the camera panned over them, and they looked like athletes in the Super Bowl. <laughs> just like the light, yeah, like Sally said, glistening off their faces. They, they looked so warm. Yeah, again, I felt badly for them. I don't know what happened. So, yeah, so that was the debate. Well... On to other topics. Yeah. Um, I was thinking we could talk about new books that we're reading. Because remember, I think it was episode eight with Joshua. We talked about books that we were going to read over the summer. So maybe if you read some of those books, we could talk about that. I did not get through all of my books. Neither did I, but some of them. Yeah. I am still reading one of them, actually, um, Gaudy Night and by Dorothy Sayers. And I'm really enjoying it. It's 500-page it's a 500 page mystery book and it took a little while to get into it because it's kind of, I think written in the fifties. And so it's kind of a little bit older style. It just takes a little while to get into it, but now it's actually really interesting. However, I'm not really sure how we can keep the climax, like the, the ascending, what is that called? The crescendo going for the next 250 pages, but I am enjoying it so far. Maybe it's, Maybe it's like a series of crescendos and day crescendos. Yeah, 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 maybe. So we'll see, but it's good so far. And I also read A Homemade Life and Delancey by Molly Weisenberg. And she is definitely my culinary muse. I love her. And I really had fun reading those books and have already made some of her recipes. My culinary muse is Papa John. <laughs> I thought it was Papa Murphy. Or that. <laughs> or Wendy. I'm just kidding. Definitely not Wendy. <laughs> so what about you, Zach? Books. Uh, so I, yeah, I wasn't even as good as you with reading the books I was supposed to read. You read one at least. I did. I read a book called Father Elijah. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah. There might be another book I've read this summer that I've forgotten about, but I read this one called Father Elijah. It too was a mystery about 500 pages, but really good. It was quite a page turner. It's about a Catholic priest and uh, this Catholic priest is set on a mission by the Vatican 
to basically try to evangelize the Antichrist. So it's, it's a very apocalyptic book, but not in the traditional sense. Like it's not a left behind type of book at all. And it's not a, um, it's not about nuclear Armageddon or anything like that. So it's, it's a, it's more like a philosophical commentary. It's very yeah, interesting. It's less about like what the end of the world looks like and more about the ideas. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, so that was a really interesting read, very thought-provoking. I don't know. I've been reading a lot of articles this summer, less yeah. books, but I'm currently reading two books. Yeah. One of which is called The Bully Pulpit. It's by Doris Kearns Goodwin. It's about William Howard Taft and Theodore Roosevelt and uh, basically what Doris Kearns Goodwin calls the golden age of journalism. So I'm not very far into that one. But is it good so far? It is, yeah. I've been really enjoying reading about the early lives, lives of um, Taft and Roosevelt. So you're going to keep reading it? I am. This this yeah, definitely. This uh, brings me to my second point, though, or second book that I'm reading right now. So I was reading about Roosevelt and found out that while he was in law school at Columbia, he wrote a book, and it wasn't like a novel or a little Kindle single. This was a, like a history of the War of 1812. That's crazy. While he's in law school, trying to get his JD. I don't even know that's possible. Oh, and he was married, so he wasn't just like a single guy who had time to hole up in the library. I guess he, I guess he just let his marriage, marriage suffer. Their marriage didn't collapse but... under the weight of all this. Work. It didn't actually. He found time to also like take his wife to Europe, and they went vacationing and saw wow. a bunch of ruins in Europe and stuff. So he was a genius. Yes, he was. So I was thinking, man, maybe I should, I mean, I'm not in law school or anything, but I was thinking, I've always liked writing. Maybe I could just think about writing something as well. And I was like, what would I write about? And I've actually talked to Sally before about writing a history of the space race. So it's probably never going to happen, but it would be cool. And be so really then cool. I was just thinking, I should just start reading up on the space race a little bit because yeah, I've read a lot about it before. I love it. I mean, anything I can pick up on the space race, I read, but I was like, I'm going to make a more intentional effort to dig into this literature. So there's this book called The Right Stuff by Tom Wolfe that uh, many of our listeners have probably heard of. Because there's a movie. There is a movie. You might have seen the movie, but I've never read the book. And so I picked up the book and I'm about a, a fifth of the way through it. It's amazing. Really, really amazing. It's gripping. Yeah. So far in the first fifth, we've just gotten to basically the start of the space program. But before that, it was all about the rise of essentially the fighter pilot and then the test pilot. Uh, in the Air Force and the Navy, and just the type of person, kind of the character profile that was the type of person to fly a plane, the type of person to take that airframe to the speed of sound and beyond. And it's really interesting. His writing style is very engaging, I think, very unique, but very engaging. I, I really enjoy it. So yeah, I'm loving that book and looking forward to getting more into that. That's great. This conversation is making me think of an NPR um, discussion that I heard recently that actually relates to a personal decision or like, I don't know what it, you would call it, but that I made prior to hearing this conversation. So back oh, yeah, I know where so the conversation with was with a librarian or something like that. She had written a book, maybe, I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't really listening to the interview, but... And it's funny because I heard the same interview and I also wasn't time, listening, but we both keyed in at the same part yeah, of the, the interview. Yeah, the same point. And that was when she said, if you don't like the book within the first 50 pages, don't read it. You don't have to read every book. It's not a requirement. We, it's actually a waste if you're not enjoying the book and you don't think you're going to get much yeah, out of it. And if it's just why gonna, would you read the last nine tenths of it? Right. Just and, stop at 50 pages. And, and if it's just going to take you forever to finish the book, then you're just wasting time that you could be spending reading something that you liked. So that 
I heard that, but I had actually told Zach like a couple months before that I'm done reading books that I don't like. I'm done trying to read books just because someone recommended it or it's on some list. If I don't like the book, then I'm not going to read it. So that's my resolution. Fair enough. the word I was thinking of, resolution. That was my resolution in the beginning of the summer. And so far I've been sticking to it and yeah. So have you picked up any books that you've not finished? Um, yeah, there was this book about motherhood that was written in like the seventies or eighties and I don't know, it was just hard to get into. Yeah, that's tough. I I liked the ideas, but it was just, it wasn't something that I look forward to reading. So I didn't finish it and I moved on to another book. Maybe I'll go back to it, but I don't know. I just, it's, it just wasn't thrilling me. So yeah. I hear you. Yeah. So books. If you guys have good books that you're reading, let us know. If you have book recommendations, we want them. Yeah, we we'll talk about them on the next them, podcast. Though. If you, yeah, that's true. We might only read 50 pages of them and then, <laughs> oh man, this recommendation was good. <laughs> but that's okay. We want all recommendations because it's always fun to have new books to read. And I'm loving the library, by the way. Interlibrary Loan is awesome. Yeah, Sally's been tearing up the interlibrary loan because we have a very small library, but the library system yeah. <laughs> is not small. They don't have things in the library, but they can get it for you pretty quickly. So I've been loving our little library's uh, ebook system where you can rent things on Kindle. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's actually how I'm reading the right stuff right now is just on a Kindle. So moving on, we... Well, actually, I listened to this podcast called Girls Next yeah, Door. Yeah, to be clear, I've never listened to Zach the podcast Girls Next Door. But I'll listen to it and then I'll up. kind of like recap it for him. So it's almost like he's been listening to it. And <laughs> almost, have, but definitely not. So <laughs> They're awesome. And I definitely recommend their podcast. They have a couple segments at the end that I just think are adorable and are so much fun. One is called Your Current Obsessions and the other one is Neighborhood News. So, so we're going to do both of these. We're going to take a page from the Girls Next Door and we're going to talk to you about our current obsessions. So, Zach, why don't you start? Yes, we are not going to copy them, though. So we're going to call this the contemporary preoccupation section. Okay. So what I'm is co- your contemporary preoccupation? I'm contemporarily preoccupied uh, by Tivana. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think you are. Like Tivana by Starbucks, like the Starbucks-owned tea yeah, store. Yeah, so tea. Drinking so, tea. So it's, it's more than drinking tea, though. Mm, I'm really? not just... Yeah, I'm not just contemporarily preoccupied with drinking tea. Okay. It's actually... It's Tivana. Tivana. Yeah. yeah. So how did this preoccupation come about? So, well, you know. I mean, we went to the mall I do know. Which I just want you to tell ago. our listeners because it's so funny. So we went to the mall a couple weeks. It's, I mean, it's... So it's, we go to the mall beautiful story. We go to the a Tivana in every mall. Like, you always walk by it well, and we have free samples. It's, it's a little bit more selective than that. Let's... Okay, most malls have Tivana. Many and you go malls by, you kind of are just like, oh, yeah, I'll take a sample. But right, because they, in? they no. have the samples by the entrance. Right. And so it's like, oh, this is interesting. Thanks. Bye. So we're walking by, and there's a new employee there, and he's really, really pumped about it. Very tea. energetic. So he like offers us a sample. And I was like, well, I mean, I never turned down free food or drinks. So right. yes. Uh, I forget the first one he gave me. It was some sort of like was it pumpkin? fruity tea. Oh, no, okay. The second one was pumpkin spice. Pumpkin. It was like chilled pumpkin spice tea sweetened with German rock sugar. Oh, man. It was really good. This was so good. So yeah. then like, then I went into the store and I was like, what other treasures do you have in this <laughs> and place? I was like, what's going on? Is he just like giving this guy some practice with his new job? Why is Zach doing this? No, I was legitimately <laughs> interested. He was taken he in. He showed me like all the machines. There are like Keurig's 
for tea. They're not called Keurig. They're called, it's some, some like Japanese title, but that was, he said that was like the ultimate tea maker. Top of the line. Top of the line tea. We didn't buy this. I'm happy obviously. to say we did not walk out with a tea Keurig. But I <laughs> thought really about any no, I didn't. tea equipment. So but we did walk out with some tea because you can use your Starbucks rewards and we're huge Starbucks boosters. We love Starbucks, but you can use your rewards in Tivana. Yeah. So we did. We got a, a free tea. Free pumpkin, pumpkin spice, spice tea. tea. Yeah. Lightly sweetened Hot. with rock sugar. It was great. Oh my gosh, it was so good. Yeah, I was impressed. So now every time we've been to Starbucks since then, I haven't been, been getting coffee. I've been getting tea. Which tea? <laughs> the Oprah cinnamon chai latte. latte. <laughs> tea latte. So, yeah, we so just pretend that. that it's for me. <laughs> right. So when they announce at the counter that, you know, there's an Oprah cinnamon chai tea latte. And there's a I loudly I loudly latte. turn to Sally and say, hey, babe, you're... Your tea is ready. Let me grab that for you. And then we walk away before you. <laughs> so he's loving Tivana, but he has not quite accepted it or he's not ready to wear it proudly. I think this though is a signal yeah, I think that so. I'm I think so. And you weren't you recommending this. it to your office mates? So I was actually. Yeah. So I think yeah, you're ready. True. You're ready to come out as a tea lover. Making a big step. All right. Lovely. Well, my... Sally, what's your contemporary yes. preoccupation? I am currently preoccupied with ginger chews. If you have not, okay, if you like ginger, then continue listening to me. If you don't, then it's okay if you kind of tune out for the next couple seconds. But ginger chews, there are a lot of brands of ginger chews and I like them all. I will have them all. So I'll just say that I like ginger chews, period. But the best brand so far, and I've tried three different brands, is the ginger people. And I haven't seen these at too many stores. Um, we saw it at World Market and Whole Foods and... That might be, oh, Trader Joe's or something like that. But they are really, really good. It's just, it's not crystallized ginger. It's kind of ginger in the form of, well, a chew, a chewy candy. And it's really just concentrated ginger and what else? Like a little bit of sugar on the outside or yeah, something? Yeah, I think some of them have cornstarch to thicken it and okay. help it bind. Okay. So pretty much just ginger and it's so strong and so spicy. It's delicious and just... Yeah, it's awesome. So we're becoming connoisseurs of ginger candy, though. Because <laughs> we've tried three different brands. Yeah, and they're actually very different from they each are, other. They are. They are, yeah. So yeah. what I'm looking for in a ginger chew is obviously not what everyone else is looking for, but I'm looking for that spice. Like, I want to feel the intense yes. ginger burn. Yes, yes. All the way down. Yeah. And you want it to last long. You don't want it to just be gone. Yeah, it can't be, like, super like, mushy. It actually has to be pretty stiff. Yeah, because otherwise you're, you've eaten it and you're on to your next one and the bag has gone too quickly. Right. So yeah, you need it to take a little while to be a little sticky, but yeah. So ginger people, ginger chews, that is my, my contemporary preoccupation. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed both of those. So now we want to talk about some neighborhood news, but we're not going to call it neighborhood news. We're going to call it what? Uh, hmm. Community updates. Community updates. We have a community update. We're having some problems with our garage door. We are. And by problems, we mean the garage door remote is not working. It's not functioning. Neither of them. Yeah. So we've brought this to our, our landlord's attention. Yeah. We will literally hold it underneath the receiver and it won't work. So. Right. Yeah. So we brought this to our landlord's attention and they've sent repair folks out and the repair folks have, folks have done 
what they do and try to fix it, but they were kind of at a loss. And they said, basically, we need to talk to our supervisor. Right. They said that, you know, we've heard in this area since we're kind of close to the airport that the air traffic control tower or whatever they have there is interfering with the garage door openers in the area. And I was like, guys, come in. <laughs> I've taken electromagnetic theory. Yes. And air traffic control towers spit out pretty low frequency waves because they're trying to go very far so they can give air traffic controllers a good idea of what's in the airspace for tens of miles, if not hundreds of miles around. Yeah. A garage door opener, on the other hand, has a remote that's designed to go between 20 and 50 feet, and that's going to be operating at a much higher frequency. So that means that they won't conflict, right? Right. I haven't taken it, so I don't know. <laughs> right. So they're not going to be talking on the same frequency. Right. Okay. So the idea that one is jamming the other is not, not, not true. Real. And on top of that, if you think about the implications of this, if the air traffic control tower was able to jam all the garage door openers, <laughs> wouldn't the garage door openers also interfere with the air traffic control tower? Ooh, yeah. So I'm not buying this. Okay, so do we go back to the Planes landlord. Planes crashing because of Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this okay. is like Breaking Bad or something. So I'm not buying this. We go to the landlord and basically say, so here's the thing. We need a new garage door opener. And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, I know. We're trying, to, we're trying to come up with a solution to this. So they do, like four weeks later. And they're like, okay, here's the deal. You're going to call the garage door company. You're going to tell them that you need this remote. You're going to pay $100. And then if you still have the remote intact and functional at move out, whenever your rent is done, we'll give you $100. Yeah. We'll reimburse you. So I call so the company. So eat the cost, essentially eat the cost for now. Right. You'll and be reimbursed. Well, you know, cross your fingers. We promise to reimburse you. Yeah. Mm. So. Not sure about that. But anyways, I call... I just, we were not sure if we're going to do this, but to get more information, I called the company and found out that one receiver and one remote that costs a hundred dollars. If you want two remotes and we have two cars that would cost $130 or something like that. But regardless, more than a hundred dollars. So we'd be basically paying out of pocket and potentially not getting reimbursed. Not being reimbursed for that extra. So then I called the landlord and I was like, Hey, so just want to make sure you'll reimburse us for both remotes since at move in. You know, that gave the place remotes. came with two remotes. Yeah. It's on the inventory, two remotes. Yeah. And they're like, no. Like, no, you can get one remote and then you can buy another one if you want. Or uh, you can just go to Walmart apparently and get a cheaper one. And I, I was like, know. wait, wait. I mean, the issue is not me getting a cheaper remote or me getting a more expensive remote. The issue is that you neither it. of our remotes work and you should give us working remotes. And they're like, well... Really, it's not an issue of habitability. It's not like you don't have running water or a roof over your a head. A roof over your head. Like, come on. You yeah. know, really, garage door openers are optional. It's kind of like a perk. Right. Yeah. A function garage door opener is apparently a perk. According to them. Right. And then they, they further suggested that really the issue is just that the garage door opener was not working to our satisfaction. And I was <laughs> it like, wasn't okay. It was up to our very high standards. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what it means to have the garage door opener work to my standards other than the fact that I don't consider it up to my standards when I'm standing under the garage door opener holding the remote two inches from the receiver pressing the button not and nothing happens <laughs> and they're like well I don't know what to tell you um we'll give you one <laughs> and I was like all right yeah so we're still you know kind of working we're through still this in I conversation guess. we're hopeful we can get that second remote but but this brings us to our question for our listeners 
are we being unreasonable? Should we just, should we just give up and eat the cost of the extra remote if we really want an extra remote? Is this something that we shouldn't be spending our brain power on? Right. I don't know. Maybe I, not. I need an outsider, I mean, I need an outsider yeah. to tell me if this is ridiculous. Yeah, we need help here. Maybe we shouldn't care so much. You know, and I should also say, I. it sounds like I'm complaining about the landlord. Actually, the landlord has been pretty good, and we have a great place here, so we're very happy with it. This is just kind of a funny situation that really we're more laughing about than anything. Like, And it's just been going on for so long. Right. It's just a funny situation. Pretty much all summer. But yeah, in general, the landlord has been great. We're very happy with everything. So I would say we have a pretty good relationship with the landlord too. Yeah. So that's all really good. I'm grateful for that. And (laughs) I understand people have a lot worse. Like I've heard some terrible landlord stories. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible ones. And we have nothing approaching that. So yeah. So maybe we're answering our own question. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I still feel like we should get a second. This is a legitimate. Yeah. I do. Okay, so that's our question for you. If you want to write us back and let us know what you think, we'd love to hear from you. Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. And now we're going to talk to Becca. Yeah, shifting gears a little bit, we're going to talk with Becca about a very important and serious issue that Sally and I are very serious about and pretty passionate about. So we're looking forward to that conversation and hope you enjoy it. That's coming up next. All right, everyone, welcome. We're here with Becca Weingard, uh, who is the author of a recent ebook uh, that we recommend. It's, uh, it's called, called Just Giddy with Depression, A Guide to Surviving Depression's Darkest Moment. And it's available on Amazon. Yes. So we have the author right here with us to talk to us about this. Becca, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Definitely, we're excited. We heard about Becca from one of our previous guests, Caitlin. Um, You'll remember Caitlin from episode seven. She and her husband, Will, were fantastic guests. We talked about so many different things. That was season one. Will's actually one of our contributors now as well. He's our resident scientist. Yes. (laughs) Is that right? That's awesome. He's our expert on all things science. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so now we're really excited to talk with Becca. So Becca, if you wouldn't mind, just introduce yourselves briefly to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> my name is Becca Weingard. Um, I uh, am living with my husband currently in the D.C. metro area. We moved here. Uh, he matched in residency at Georgetown. Moved here a year and some change ago. And um, right after I graduated with my master's in clinical mental health counseling, from Loyola University in New Orleans. And um, prior to that, I uh, had an undergraduate in psychology. So I've always been really, really interested about men- in, in mental health, helping people. So what led you to write your field guide on suicide survival, as you call it? Um, goodness. Uh, I wanted to marry my personal experience with uh, my professional education, my, my theoretical background. Um, and I have some clinical experience as well. I've worked in community health centers where I've had conversations with people about, about mental health issues, mental illness. And so for me, it's not really a taboo or anything. I just, I was writing about food on my blog and then faced some deep depression and, writing was really therapeutic for me. And I thought, I guess I should just try and write this out and see if I can sort of put it on paper. Um, and I started to do that just as a way to help myself out of it. And, um, what I noticed was I was going back to it and reading it and 
to start my days and to kind of get through my days, actually. It was really helpful for me. And I thought, I'm sure I'm not the only one experiencing this. I know I'm not the only one. So maybe I'll put it out there. That's great. How's the response been? I'm glad you asked. I actually received, um, I was just talking with my husband. I was like, should I, should I bring that up? I got an email from Amazon today because I was trying to market it a little bit better. So Amazon has this deal with Kindle direct publishing. Well, I mean, Amazon Kindle direct publishing is, is through Amazon. And basically what I did was I just self published this book and I wanted to advertise it to get it out to a broader audience because I've mostly been getting my response, my feedback from Facebook um, and different shares on Facebook. And that community, the people that I know have been so supportive. I've gotten emails of appreciation and thank you for saying this. Thank you for acknowledging this as an illness, as something that needs to be treated and it needs to be talked about. Amazon doesn't really agree. Really? Just the other night, I was like, okay, I want to, you know, try and expand, you know, to a bigger market. Um, and I bought sort of the ad, whatever offering that they had. And they said that it was accepted for, and it was eligible to be displayed on amazon.com. I just got this email today. And it said that, unfortunately, your ad campaign has not been approved to run on Kindle e-readers for the following reasons. Your book addresses a sensitive or embarrassing medical condition oh my that goodness. is what? not appropriate for general audience. <gasps> oh, my goodness. That's shocking. I, that's kind of how I felt about it. An embarrassing I, medical illness called depression that many people struggle with. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I'm very surprised. I've kind of just been a little bit stunned today by that. Yeah. Have I, you written back to them? I haven't, I haven't really thought, I've, I've thought a little bit, you know, I've, I've been working, um, and I'm going to need to take some time to figure out how to approach that with them, how to respond to that. Because sure. to me, that's the problem. That's yeah. abs- that's when <laughs> it's, that's, I, I sent something out into the world and received exactly how the world, why it's a problem in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I was going to actually, I mean, do you mind if I read a paragraph from your book? Oh, please do. So I was going to thank you for writing this because it's very, in, uh, very informational for me. And I learned a lot just about what it is to be in the shoes of someone who struggles with depression on a normal day. And this paragraph in particular stuck out at me. Um, you write depression exhausts our positive outlook and our brain perceives life as an infinite dreary rain cloud. This can be a lonely experience, but we don't have to face it alone. Being open about depression helps to fend off the crow pecking dark days. <laughs> we have to blaze the trail for this dialogue before acting on impulsive decisions. And I think this is the really important part. We need to create a conversation about suicide and self-harm so we can eliminate the stigma and feel free to invite people in for support. So shame on Amazon for not, <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, helping for you in that mission. Adding to the stigma. Um, wow. But I, I, thought, I thought that was a really important part of what you're trying to do here, right? You're, right. you're being very conversational on how you approach this problem and how you describe this problem. Uh, and I think your audience is twofold, right? One, it's, it's two people who are struggling with this, but then it's also the people like me who have never struggled with this. But first of all, I may in the future, but, Second, I have lots of friends who do, and so it really helps me understand them uh, and helps people like me, 
you know, not stigmatize those who have depression and know how to help, et cetera. So, yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. And that's part of what I wanted to, why I wanted to write it as well as to know what it's like if you've never experienced depression. I know a majority, good majority of the world hasn't had any major depressive episode or, or a disorder. Um, but the people who struggle with it are afraid to talk about it because nobody, nobody really knows what it's like to have that experience. And so I really thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Sure. Well, I hope that your deal with Amazon works out and they are able to uh, reverse their decision without yeah. further incident. <laughs> understand more what you're trying to do. Well, thank you. I am debating on whether or not to maybe write a blog post about it, but I don't know that I'm trying to get a bunch of, you know, like sure. that seems more like a publicity stunt. Yeah. Um, it's, I wish I could have a conversation with Amazon, but I don't really know. How I, I don't know how you do that. Well, I, yeah, I guess you'll find out. <laughs> right. Right. It seems like I might say something like that felt hurtful Amazon and they'd be like, Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> here's a book. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to quit. for a year. <laughs> be a good deal. Rebecca, let's talk about the the substance of the book a little bit more. On page one, you talk about being a therapeutic ninja. What do you mean by being a therapeutic ninja? Um, So I make a a short reference to judo, the art, the martial art judo, which I'm not really, I've never been involved in any sort of martial arts in my life. Um, But it was actually described to me in a, theological context, um, where God, which I'm really committed to my faith and that's been huge. And I've gotten a lot of feedback on how little I do refer to my faith and my devotion to it in the book, but that's more of a clinical perspective. Um, it's, that's not something that I'm trying to project onto other people and their experience. I'm just trying to speak to it very pragmatically. Um, but as far as the way that I've always conceptualized God handling sin in our lives for us is he like, like judo, they redirect the force and the momentum of their opponent to use it against them. So I recently read, um, an article in GQ magazine about Stephen Colbert. Oh man, I love that article. (laughs) Right. I love Stephen Um, Colbert. (laughs) Yeah, that's true too. Um, he's, I mean, he is brilliant and hilarious. I just had no idea like the depth, the intellectual and moral depth that he, I mean, I'm sure all comedians have that. But you don't really expect it. Right. It was completely unexpected. Um, and I really didn't expect him to have such a, a devotion to Catholicism and to Christianity. That was a surprise for sure. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've been a fan of uh, Colbert for a long time. I think that he has shown something on his show, the well, his late show now, the um, the late Colbert Report, and now it's <laughs> what is he's on the Late Show, right? That's his yeah. new show, right? Um, so, yeah, I've been a fan of his work for a long time because I think he just stands out from other comedians in his take on so many issues, mm-hmm. um, and so he's just been a lot of fun to watch. And I'd heard some rumblings about kind of this other side to him. And I knew that mm-hmm. he had experienced personal tragedy in his life, but I didn't know it had shaped him quite this seriously. Well, because it never comes through on right. TV. Right. I mean, he's a funny guy, you know, yeah. so like you don't associate tragedy with funny guys. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, so reading this article really opened up a whole other side to him that I thought was amazing. And he it's makes so some 
He was so profound. Yeah, he makes some really profound points that I think, I'm glad you brought this article up, Becca, because I think a lot of his points are directly related to some of the things you talk about in your book. Yeah, I'm I'm flattered that you relate my book with anything that Stephen Colbert would ever say. Um, but thinking about that and, and thinking about him and how much he commits to, you know, he, he commits. He, what does he say? He he dives into the bomb. He loves the bomb. He learned to love the bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> you can see how much he commits to his comedy and sort of the, the character he's portraying. And you, you see that parallel or sort of the, the opposite end of that spectrum and how much he commits to this brilliant philosophical and theological perspective he has on life. I mean, goodness gracious, that article was inspiring. Yeah. So when he says the bomb, he's talking about what happened in his family, right? His, his dad and his brother dying and the fact that his mom had to raise them as a single right, mom. Right. Um, I mean, and, and sort of, I mean, the way, the way the f- phrase first comes up in the article is he's talking about his, uh, improv instructor when he first started getting into comedy and his improv instructor said, the first rule that you have to know is you have to learn to love the bomb. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, what he meant by that is basically you have to learn to love failure because it's only through trying that the comedian succeeds and the comedian is going to fail so many times before he or she succeeds. Uh, and each of those failures is going to make that person a better comedian. Um, at least that's the way I understood it. And so later in the article, as Colbert is talking about this personal tragedy, he comes back to that theme, you know, that basically all these tragedies have made me who I am. I've learned to love the bomb and I've been able to recognize that all of these bad things that have happened to me are really gifts from God. Um, right. which, which I think some, some people would hear and think that's a really, you know, kind of backwards, uh, fatalistic way of looking at the world. But, you know, in, in a way I think it's not at all. I think it's a much more positive way of looking at the world than, um, you know, than thinking of yourself as a victim of circumstance or of chance. And so when I was reading your ebook back, this is what I was thinking about. Cause you were talking about turning your circumstances around and basically using the force of them against themselves, you know, that therapeutic ninja idea um, yeah. or, the, or the intentional reframe that you bring up at the end. Um, and that's what I was thinking about. That's what, that's what Colbert is talking about, I think. So Becca, yes. from your experience, how do you think we can learn to love the bomb the way that Stephen Colbert puts it? Oh my goodness. It is that, it is the ultimate, he, he puts it well as at the same time, the process, learning to be in the moment and just sort of funneling life down into moments. Um, and each moment, knowing that it could bring with it whatever, whatever may come, be it tragedy or joy or success or failure, it's, it's broken down into a moment in time and knowing that that moment it will not kill you. Um, and even so he goes on to say later on that, that death is a gift. You know, even if we're thinking like, if this does kill me, I'm going to perceive this as still something that ideally, you know, he was talking about Tolkien and how punishment from God is a gift. It's not, it's not just the punishment is not the end. Um, it's thinking, th- it's being in that moment, but knowing that that moment is not ultimate, that something is beyond that moment. And that's sort of the, the hope that we have in Christianity as well. And the hope that a lot of people have in hopefully in themselves. And that's the idea as a professional, what 
I'm hoping that people can understand is they have strength. They don't necessarily have the mental resources to identify those strengths, but through intentional conversations and, and slowing down the thought process and being able to know what your thoughts are moment to moment, you're able to identify strengths. You're able to enjoy the smell of fresh cut grass and just be present in that place and have this moment of tranquility, even though that smell of fresh cut grass might be in a cemetery where you're burying a great friend, turning that situation into something that's not hopeless. It's not, it doesn't end in despair. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that definitely, that makes sense. Um, so from, if we get, are getting practical about this, um, you say in your guide that one thing you need to do is cultivate some daily routines. Um, mm-hmm. can you talk to us about what that means and what kinds of routines and habits you, you needed to cultivate to, to battle your depression, but that other people also should cultivate to maintain mental health and, and successfully overcome depression? Um, well, the number one thing that I would recommend to anyone dealing with depression is first getting into therapy. That's the best routine that you can have. If you are dealing with suicidal ideation, like I was, there were moments where I was not in a safe place and I needed to, I need, I knew in those moments that I needed to find therapy, uh, if I was going to, if I was going to climb out of it. And that's the best and most immediate step that anyone can take and should take if they're dealing with suicidal thoughts, thoughts of ending their life. If they have a plan, I hope it's okay. And this is some pretty, um, heavy content. Yeah. Um, but it's really, it's really helpful information for the world to know. I was in that moment, in those moments where I was with suicidal ideation, I was contemplating what method I didn't have a method. So, so then, okay if I was talking to myself, which is what I was doing, okay, Becca, do you, do you have a specific method? Well, no, I don't. Okay. Well, that puts me at a really low risk because I haven't really thought it well. I haven't thought it completely through. And this is the higher risk. Um, people who have a method, they have a means, meaning they have immediate access to this. So, so I didn't, I didn't have any ideas of, I didn't go that that step. That's a pretty significant step. Um, and that conversation usually the idea is to keep from getting to that point through having conversation, um, through having, through being in therapy, um, so that you're not put in the hospital and then you're, you're put on -on one-on-one watch. Um, and you're, you're made to stay in your room Um, and someone watches you until they feel like it's appropriate for you to be, you're okay to go home. Um, so I never got to that point for myself, but that is varying degrees of suicidal ideation. I just gave you a lot of information. I hope that's okay. (laughs) No, I appreciate it. Thank you. So aside from therapy, what, what other routines or habits? Yeah. Do you recommend? Yeah. Um, In addition to therapy. Yeah. I, For me, I make my bed immediately. As soon as I get out of bed, I just, I get my body moving, you know, making the bed, I try and do it quickly. So it, 
it gets me out of bed. Um, but the first thing that gets me out of bed is knowing that I need coffee. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So I go and put the tea kettle on because we have French press coffee every morning. Yeah, Um, I remember reading about this in your (laughs) ebook. Yeah. Um, which I never, it was, it was a wedding gift. You know, one of those advantages of, of these luxurious wedding gifts you get whenever you get married, you're like, am I going to use this? Turns out, yes, I will. (laughs) Great. Fantastic. Um, who knew that it would be something that might save my life? Great. Um, but yeah, I have to turn that tea kettle on and then I hate, I loathe the whistle. I hate the whistle. We live in an apartment building and I feel like I'm waking up the whole world and my husband and I, we get up pretty early. Um, so I stand by it and I just try and just not think about anything else, but hearing the water, I try and attune to my senses. So that's one of my routines that gets me started off of that foot of, uh, being in the moment and taking each moment as it comes and not worrying about everything else, um, which calms my anxiety and and any sort of racing thoughts that I might have. Um, and then I'm able to engage in the process of making coffee and just tuning into my senses and smelling it and, knowing that I'm also making it for my husband who I love and I'm helping him start the day. Um, and then I go to work. I have to have a job. I've had four different jobs in the past year. I have to have a job. Um, four different jobs because DC is kind of it's a very transient place. Yeah. <laughs> it's so transient. Um, and yeah, our, yeah, it's, I've been baking and I've been writing and I've, um, yeah, I try and cook as well. That's really therapeutic. We but, like cooking as well, so we understand that one. <laughs> right? Isn't it wonderful? It really is. Mostly eating what you cook, but cooking is fun too. <laughs> the, the final product is always the best part of that. Right. So is that where your blog kind of came about as part of your habits and routines to counter your depression? Or was that how did that happen? And the blog, um, by the way, if I can interject for our listeners... Becca, correct me if this is not the correct address. Playwithyourfoodies.com. Yes, playwithyourfoodies.com. Foodies, F-O-O-D-I-E-S. That's correct. Yeah, check um, it out. Um, thanks. Yeah, the blog actually evolved pretty organically. Um, I was very optimistic in moving to D.C. and just getting out of graduate school, ready to help and save the world. But D.C. is actually a, an area that is run by social workers. And to get a counseling job in this area is pretty challenging. I would have to be like 30 minutes outside of the city. So that has been a pretty big obstacle for me. So I'm also originally from New Orleans or the South Louisiana area, born and raised. And the food down there is um, second to none. I think it's the best in the world. (laughs) And I missed it. So I made it and I wanted to also keep family informed of like what was going on in our lives, be able to have like one-stop shop where everybody could see what's going on in our lives. And, um, and I also was unemployed, so I was trying to keep myself busy and I got into it and really enjoyed it. And other people have enjoyed it as well. Um, so I thought, Oh, well, I guess this is a good gig. We'll just keep doing this because this is keeping us sane. 
Um, Do you and create then, your own recipes or are these recipes handed down um, in your family? A, some, a lot of them are just, what are they? Uh, it's recipes inspired by South Louisiana um, and or whatever it is that I'm craving. I don't, I don't, I have a recipe book of recipes that I've created from scratch just without a recipe book. Most of them are adaptations. Um, and a few, a few, the family recipes, I kind of try and keep like close to the chest. Uh, (laughs) there are a few on there, but those are, those are kind of sacred. Sacred and special. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, before we wrap up, um, is there a favorite recipe that you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners from your site? Maybe not one of those secret family recipes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the recipe that I crave the most, the recipe that's most popular is the red beans and rice recipe, which is a classic new Orleans dish. Um, but actually the recipe that I crave the most are, um, my pancakes. They're mm. like a, it's like a hybrid between a pancake and a crepe. Like oh, a nice! Crepe. That sounds delicious. Right? Oh my goodness! They're they are they are involved. They're time intense, uh, intensive. I mean, the best food is though. That's been our experience. right. Exactly. They're they're yeast pancakes, but they're not like oh. big and fluffy. Right? Wow. Well, we'll definitely you'll have to give us both of those recipes: the red beans and rice and the pancake crepes, and we will link to those on our website. Yeah, that would be great. I'd be honored. Cool. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us and sharing about your own um, struggles with depression and and explaining your guide. And uh, And thanks for writing the guide. I really think this is a a great resource for people. And I'm happy that we have the chance to point our listeners in this direction. And hopefully you'll write more things like it. Well, thank you for the encouragement and such positive, bright and shining feedback. I appreciate (laughs) it so much. You're welcome. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Absolutely. We'll talk to you later, Becca. All right. You guys take care. Bye. All right. Time to wrap things up for episode two of season two. We were really glad to talk to Becca. And that was a really important conversation. I think I mentioned that in the first part of the podcast, but we really feel strongly about these issues and are really grateful that Becca came on the show, gave us the time and was really transparent about um, some of the struggles she's had. We hope that it was helpful to people who are listening. Yeah. And definitely check out her field guide on Amazon. And she, as you heard, says she wants to write more. So stay tuned for more of that. Check out her blog in the meantime, playwithyourfoodies.com and stay tuned. Yeah. And we'll have links to those recipes that she mentioned. We will. We sure will. (laughs) So before we wrap things up, we want to check our inbox and I'm, I don't think that we got anything, but maybe we did. Let's find out. Here we go. Oh, okay. Well, I guess my instincts were correct. We haven't gotten any mail yet. Oh my gosh. But maybe next week we'll have some mail. Maybe next week. So just write to us. Tell us what you thought of this episode, what you thought of the first episode, what you like about, if you like the new format that we're doing this season. Yeah. Tell us. Here's one to uh, maybe write in about. So I just want to comment briefly on one of the things we talked about with Becca that Stephen Colbert mentioned in his article. So as I've already said, I'm a huge Stephen Colbert fan, but that doesn't mean I have to agree with everything he says. And I really liked his, his comment about, you know, what punishments from God are not gifts. I think Becca mentioned it. This was in the GQ article. 
I really like that, but I don't love it because in my framework, when circumstances don't go our way in this life, it's not I, God punishing. Yeah, us. I don't think it's a punishment from God. I think it's a circumstance that happens, but that God uses it as a gift, or that God can use it as a gift. Yeah. And a lot of times, I think it's up to us to let God use it as a gift, right? Like Colbert said, you have to learn to love the bomb. And so if he didn't learn to love the bomb... Then that, it wouldn't have been a gift for him. Then it wouldn't have been a gift. Yeah. Yeah. But the the bottom line here is it's not a punishment either. Yeah. Yeah. So, and really, I guess my beef is not with Colbert because I think that was a Tolkien quote. So I guess my my beef is with J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> But there it is. That's my comment. Love to hear yours as well. So write to us, Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. Yeah. And check us out on Twitter at vernacularpod and Facebook. Yes. Facebook.com slash vernacularpodcast. And our website, vernacularpodcast.com. Always on our website. And on our website, you can check out the staff page, which I mean, it's kind of a misnomer. It's not like we pay people anybody, but the anything, but these are gracious volunteers who have all been on the show and have volunteered or not volunteered, but agreed at our request to come back on the show at more regular intervals and join us for exciting conversations. So check out that page, see who we're talking to and who we'll, who we will be talking to more regularly in the future. And check out our questionnaire. If you'd like to be on the show, you can fill that out. We would love to have you. And that's about it, I think. Yeah. So thanks for listening to episode two, season two. For Vernacular Podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. I'm by your side I'm better than ever When you're with me tonight